Mystery Minnesota is an original fiction podcast from Adventures in Creativity Productions. Call it an anthology of strange stories, mysteries of a punishing land, and the people that call it home. And these stories impacted one man's life in a way he never anticipated. Believe them or don't. But remember, these stories are told in order, so make sure and start at the beginning. Don't worry, we'll be here whenever you catch up. Welcome to Mystery Minnesota. Life likes to throw us curveballs. No one avoids it, it happens to everyone. When our life story veers from happy family comedy into terrifying horror and drama, it's as if those happy times from before just simply get erased. Those good memories from childhood are forever stained, forever tainted by that looming horror and pain. Think of that happy childhood memory that eventually leads to the sadness of a parent now deceased. Maybe it's the thought of your first relationship, all the love and joy you felt, tainted now by memories of that nasty breakup. For Roger, memories of that glorious autumn Northwoods were stained by loss. The thoughts of laughter-filled hikes and hunts with Jimmy would forever be covered in the bitter scent of blood and the sickly sweet smell of peppermint. I puzzled over any possible connection between Roger's story and my search for Mystery Minnesota for probably a couple days. All I could come up with, all I knew so far was, well, little Jimmy Pitsy died and it's a wound that Roger felt for the rest of his life. So all I could come up with was pretty much nothing. I really had no idea at all as to what any of this could have to do with Mystery Minnesota. As much as I was not looking forward to it, I gave Roger a call to see if I could swing out so he could finish telling me his story. Under a flat gray sky that seemed to be pushing downward as the increasing snow cover crept up, like some giant vice of depression and sadness. I drove the now familiar back roads to Roger's place. That dreary gray sky, it left everything feeling like the color was simply drained from life itself. And pulling up to the house, I knew I'd find no surprise joy hidden in my visit with Roger. No, hmm. What waited there was sadness and pain, but Honestly, I I knew it was going to be bad, but I really had no idea what I was in for, so be warned. Things might get a bit startling from here on out. I know I've said it before, 
but things might get a bit graphic and a bit disturbing, so consider yourself warned. Handed me a hot cup of coffee, he gestured for me to sit. There we were back at that small kitchen table nestled in the nook under the large windows. It really was quite a view, even under those dreary, depressing gray skies. Seated there at the table, you were able to look out over the whole north and east sides of Roger's land. The barn, the woodshed, the fenced cattle, feeding troughs, all of it. I suppose it made sense. I mean, as a farmer, he needed to be able to see any threats to his livestock easily, and this view allowed a guy to see it all. We sat there, sipping the hot coffee, staring out at the farm as the cold winter wind continued to sculpt the landscape while we were there warm behind those windows. It seemed neither one of us was all that eager to get to this part. The part where Jimmy dies. Finally though, Roger spoke. Voice soft and far away. That week he spent in his room, mind going back over every tiny detail he could remember was the longest, most agonizing week he could ever remember going through. Well, up until that point at least. Sure, he'd been grounded before, but this time he had something he needed to do. He was positive of what he had seen, and while his dad wouldn't believe him, in fact he forbid Roger from even saying the words, or else, he knew that the creature, all claws and muscle and teeth, was out there. He also knew that it was wounded. He knew it had left a blood trail as it vanished, screaming off into the woods. He had seen the blood spray, those heavy clawed tracks marking the mud as a leg was dragging behind. And he had seen that blood continue off into the woods well after the tracks ended. What he needed now was to follow. It had been a week. Maybe it had died, maybe not, but he had to find out one way or the other. Every day that week he prayed it wouldn't rain or snow and even though it would be harder to spot once it dried, he'd still be able to follow it. But if it rained or snowed at all, that would be it. His one chance would be gone. I guess you could say the gods were listening to his prayers because that week it stayed cool but not cold enough for frosty mornings and the skies were the clearest blue all week long. It killed him seeing those perfect fall days tick by while he was grounded. Unable to leave his room, besides a daily trip to school and back, he wasn't even allowed to hunt opening weekend of season. But, by Saturday morning he was free again and he was out the door at first daylight. Alone, and with his shotgun. Jimmy had wanted to come, begged him to come. See, he thought Roger was just going out hunting again, and in some ways, I guess he was, but Roger told him no. Told him to stay there at home, that he had been cooped up in his room all week long while Jimmy was free to do as he pleased, so today, he was going alone. Sure, he knew it hurt Jimmy to 
tell him he had to stay home. He knew how much these weekend hunts meant to him, especially when deer season arrived. Hell, to both of them, really, it, it was a big deal. But Roger wasn't allowed to go deer hunting after the incident the weekend before, and now it was just as likely that whatever he was hunting could be hunting him as well. Roger felt bad, but the only way he could make sure Jimmy stayed was to let him think he was still mad at him for running to get their dad. Roger wasn't mad, he understood completely. But if he didn't let Jimmy think that, there's no way he could get out of the house without Jimmy following. And he couldn't risk having to take care of Jimmy if he did find this creature alive. So, Jimmy stayed home. It didn't take him long, but when he got back to the spot on the trail, he found it all as it had been that day. Well, except for a, a bit more rotten. During the week, his dad hadn't bothered to go out and dispose of the deer. After all, it wasn't in the yard, and so the trail was still part of the woods, and the coyotes and wolves would take care of it eventually anyhow, so he left it. Except the thing is, nothing had touched that deer. No wolves, no coyotes, no birds. Nothing had touched it, not even the flies and maggots. That rancid-smelling carcass was crusted with dry blood, the deep gashes from the creature ripping and tearing the deer from neck to tail and everywhere in between. But not a single bit of that deer had been touched by anything since it died. Roger guessed it was because, along with the rancid, blood-crusted carcass smell, was that putrid peppermint. Not quite as strong as the day of the attack, but still there, hanging like a cloud all around the remains. He didn't want to get close to it. He knew he had to, though. He stared at that now decaying carcass, the memory of the events that led to this grisly monument now rotting away on the forest floor still crystal clear in his mind. Everything was exactly as he had remembered it while stuck in his room. That included the tracks and blood leading off into the woods, the deep gouges in the mud left by some sort of heavy clawed feet that disappeared just before entering the underbrush at the edge of the trail. And even though it was now dry and crusted brown, that blood trail remained. Now, Roger took a deep breath and put on his brave face, but Let's be real, there was a knot of fear tying his insides up, and as he took those first few steps, that fear threatened to cause him to run back home. But, already at that young age, he was a man of his word, and he had made it his mission to find out what happened. So he slowly followed that trail off into the brush. The tracks hadn't vanished as he thought, it must have jumped, but it crossed a span of nearly 20 feet in a single leap before landing hard in the undergrowth. But that's where it got weird, see, where it landed, the blood and tracks ended. He stopped and looked everywhere, circled the area slowly, searching for any indication of where it might have went next and found nothing. 
This time it had vanished in. With it, his hopes of proving to his dad that he hadn't been making the whole thing up vanished as well. Well, even though Roger had told him to stay back at the house, Jimmy was scared for Roger. He was worried about his big brother. He knew something wasn't right about that deer. He believed him, though he hadn't seen the creature Roger claimed was there. Which is why, as Roger made his way back to the house, he found Jimmy waiting at the edge of the yard. Jimmy. Mmm. Little Jimmy that would never age another day. Jimmy that Roger had failed to protect and Jimmy whose death Roger would carry with him for the rest of his life. The stone of that burden around his neck forever changing him deep to his very core. You know, when we experience the death of a loved one, we never actually forget it. Our brain once again works its magic and slowly takes that stinging pain and buries it deep so that only the more tolerable pull of sadness remains. But when that death is brutal and violent, it's so much harder for our brain to smooth out those rough patches. And when that brutal and violent death happens right before your eyes, well, there's only so much magic that miraculous muscle between our ears can muster. And that pain remains sharp and jagged forever. Cutting fresh new emotional wounds whenever our mind drifts to those painful thoughts, forming new scar tissue that builds up into something else over time. Roger met Jimmy in the yard. He couldn't blame him for worrying, for wanting to know what he had found, so much like with the squirrel that started this all, Roger reluctantly told Jimmy all about it. Of course, Jimmy begged to go see it himself. So, Roger, shotgun in hand and Jimmy just a step behind, turned and the brothers returned to the rotten sculpture now blocking their favorite hunting trail. They stood there in silence for a very long time. Jimmy gagged occasionally, but to his credit, he didn't throw up again. That peppermint smell made him feel sick, and Roger couldn't disagree. But he held on to it. He never got sick. Finally, Jimmy had built the courage to ask Roger to show him where it seemed to disappear. He wanted to see it for himself. So hesitantly, Roger led him further into the woods, carefully retracing his path from earlier, watching close for any signs he might have missed, but he hadn't missed anything. He was well trained in the ways of the woods and he just hadn't missed anything. There was nothing to miss. As they stood there where the beast had landed in a crash, spraying blood everywhere and tearing up the ground with its heavy landing, Jimmy asked Roger how it could have just disappeared. Roger would play that question over and over in his head for years to come. He wished he had an answer for him, but it's like the air had just swallowed up that shimmering, nearly invisible creature 
taking its claws and teeth and rippling massive muscle that was spraying blood from the shotgun blast and turned it into a shimmering mist that simply vanished into thin air. With Jimmy's help, Roger gave one more pass at circling around the area, hoping to find something he had missed because it's not possible. Things just can't vanish into thin air like that, can they? But even with the two of them, they found nothing. This creature, this peppermint-scented monster, well, it seemed like that's exactly what had happened. They walked back to the trail in silence, both of them trying to puzzle all this out, and when they passed the rotting deer, Jimmy began to gag again. Roger didn't think much of it. He'd always had a weak stomach, even though he didn't gag earlier and throw up at least. But as they moved away from it, Jimmy, between gags, called out to Roger, asking if that peppermint smell had been this strong when they came through the first time. Roger froze, noticing the smell was actually a little stronger, and the fear and adrenaline surged and pulsed in his body. He turned as fast as he could to grab Jimmy, and he heard him scream his name just once, and it cut off in a sickening gurgle as blood choked him. What Roger saw filled him with dread and, more importantly, with rage. A burning fury took over. He turned to see Jimmy standing stiff, deep gashes along his whole body, his eyes pleading for Roger to help him. That same confusion and terror and pain that he had seen from the deer. And there, barely visible, just behind Jimmy was that monstrous creature. One arm, or was it a leg, hanging limply by its side, but the other... The other had those massive claws sunk deep into Jimmy's stomach. The blood poured out like hot oil from his midsection. It felt like an eternity, but really this was all happening in a matter of a split second. Roger, still screaming, took the first step toward this creature in an effort to rush at it. He felt like something heavy smashed into him, something heavy and powerful. It all happened so fast. Whatever crashed into him burned like white hot fire. It hit him with such force that pain erupted through every nerve in his body while time seemed to slow down to a crawl. You know, he didn't remember falling, and in fact, in all the years since then, all he remembers is feeling like he was rushing towards Jimmy, almost like he wasn't in control of his own legs, but like a theater dimming the lights before the movie started, he started to lose consciousness. And as he blacked out, he heard snarling and growling, heavy bodies thrashing on the forest floor, jaws snapping and claws ripping through flesh like a bear battling a mountain lion but somehow meaner the sound of pure evil and hatred with his vision narrowing to black he saw jimmy falling to the ground he saw the blood so much blood 
and the smell of peppermint filling the air. And while he choked on that sickly sweet smell, the darkness took him. Mystery Minnesota is an Adventures in Creativity production written, produced, and performed by David Swiduck. You can find out more about the show and all of the others at AICpod.com. If you're enjoying what you hear, be sure to reach out to us on social media by following at AIC Stories on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Or, of course, you can email us via the contact form on the site. If you want to support the show and help more people discover and uncover the mysteries we're exploring, you can leave us a review or, most importantly, share Mystery Minnesota with your friends. Look, no matter where you hang out, be it Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, or Instagram, word of mouth is still the best thing you can do to help support life here in Mystery Minnesota. So don't be shy. Let people know what's up. Of course, we'd love it if you checked out all of the other storytelling fun happening with Adventures in Creativity Productions as well. So while you're at AICpod.com, go ahead and explore all of the other content right there. You can get all of the great projects like Faded Words and Adventures in Creativity in one convenient place by subscribing to AIC Stories in the podcast app of your choice really is the best way to keep up with everything we have coming up for you on Adventures in Creativity Productions. But if you only want to follow the story of Mystery Minnesota, you can find us under Mystery Minnesota in your podcatcher or at anchor.fm slash mystery Minnesota. So get yourself all caught up and stick with us because there's more to the story here in Mystery Minnesota. <laughs>